John Stott had a huge influence on me. John Stott's influence was firstly to show me the glory of Bible, uh, Bible exposition. He, he was so humble, and and it was his humility that uh, and and I had a, a, an opportunity to have a private conversation at his apartment, which was very. What I remember was only a, a, a bookshelf, you know, and, and very. It was not like a mansion. It's not like someone who already produced so many best-selling books. A tall Englishman was down on one knee, handing me my very own brand new strawberry ice cream. That was John Stott. The simple kindness and generosity that he showed to that two-year-old were characteristics of his. But kindness and generosity are also weaved into the fabric of how Langham started and what Langham is today. You know, if you were going to name the most influential pastor of the 20th century, John Stott would be my choice. My name is Angel Torero. I want to welcome you to On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham. What can Christians in Indiana learn from Christians in Indonesia? How can church leaders in Mumbai equip pastors in Miami, which is where I live and serve? On this podcast, we listen in on conversations between Chris Wright and church leaders in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, where my family has their roots. We hope you discover how much wisdom the church in the West has to gain from their sisters and brothers in villages and towns around the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Langham Partnership, a ministry founded by John Stott, to equip church leaders in the majority world. Visit langham.org to learn more about Langham and explore more resources from global church leaders. Our host is Dr. Christopher J.H. Wright, known to many as Chris Wright, a respected theologian and award-winning author of more than 30 books, including critically acclaimed The Mission of God, Unlocking the Bible's Grand Narrative. When he's not writing books, Chris serves as Global Ambassador and Ministry Director for Langham. Today, April 27, 2021, we mark the anniversary of what would have been John Stott's 100th birthday. John Stott was a respected preacher, best-selling author of 50-plus books, including Basic Christianity, servant of the Global Church, and the founder of Langham Partnership, a global ministry that trains and resources biblical leaders in 130 plus countries. And you've heard from some of them on previous episodes of this podcast. In fact, this podcast is produced by Langham Partnership. Today's special episode will commemorate John Stott. You'll hear reflections and remembrances of Stott from a handful of pastors and leaders whose lives and ministries he's personally impacted. By the way, to learn more about John Stott's life and influence, or check out his books and sermons, visit johnstott.org. First, we'll hear from Ajit Fernando from Sri Lanka. He's known around the world for his Bible teaching and speaking, notably at Urbana, Lausanne, and other global gatherings. In addition to that, he's authored more than 20 books and has served in leadership for Youth for Christ in Sri Lanka for more than three decades. John Stott had enormous influence on him, first through his books and then as a friend and mentor. Let's, let's move then to your connection and your friendship with John Stott. 
Um, it strikes me actually right up front that you have a very similar balance, a very intentional balance in your in the shape of your ministry because he too uh, splits his time between Bible teaching and writing and uh, a very controlled international travel in which he was also accountable to a, a group and in uh, mentoring and befriending younger leaders. Uh, so is that something that you've learned specifically from him or it just kind of happened that way? Actually, um, John Stott had a huge influence on me. Uh, I think there were others who influenced my life in a similar way. Dr. Robert Coleman was my teacher in seminary and uh, he was like a, a spiritual father to me. So was Dr. Daniel Fuller, who did, uh, whom I did my uh, graduate studies under who again was an amazing mentor to me. But John Stott's influence was firstly to show me the glory of Bible, uh, Bible exposition. Mm -hmm. My father had these books. He used to get the Keswick Week book every year. <laughs> and also the Urbana Compendium. Mm -hmm. And several Urbanas, John Stott was the Bible teacher. Mm -hmm. So I learned the glory of Bible exposition from John Stott. And, and then early in my life, in, while I was still a university student, uh, I studied uh, his book, The Pre Preacher's Portrait, because I wanted to be a preacher. Mm -hmm. uh, and that book, I, I must have taken six months. I don't know how long, but long, slowly I went through the book. And that sort of set a pace for who I am going to be. In the meantime, I went to America for, as a student and my uh, parents and he came to Sri Lanka during that time. I was abroad, mm -hmm. but he met my parents mm -hmm. and became friends with my parents. And then, of course, when I was at Fuller, uh, John Stott came to Fuller. So I went everywhere John Stott went. I went, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and he came up to me after one meeting and said, do I know you, brother? And, uh, and uh, he, I, t I told him, no, you don't know me, but I kn you know my parents. And he gave me a hug, you know. Yes. And uh, for the next few days, I was walking a few feet above ground level uh, <laughs> because my hero had given me a hug. Uh, but uh, but uh, that, that model of biblical, uh, biblical exposition and also the books that he wrote, I believe in preaching, The Cross of Christ. Um, you know, issues Christians face today. Uh, these became models to me on how I should approach the issues that the church in Sri Lanka faces. Mm -hmm. So that was very good. And then, of course, his, his uh, thing of uh, not being like an entrepreneur, but working under a group and financial issues uh, handled by others, not, not him. Yeah. So all of that became um, a model that I began to use uh, in my ministry. I remember you telling a story once of how I think I'm right. You were reading a book by John Stott on a bus or a train, was it? And and you accidentally lost it and then it was rediscovered. I, I just tell us that story again because I enjoyed it so much the first time. Well, uh, it was the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, I consider that the most enriching theological book I have read. Mm. And it again, it must have taken me six uh, months to read. I read it carefully, making my own index at the back uh, and a detailed index at the front, a content, table of contents at the front. Slowly, I went 
working on this book. And I was coming back from a camp uh, far away. It was about a five, um, no, about a seven-hour bus journey. Uh, it was a holiday time, so the buses were full. And in the bus stand, I was reading this book. And then uh, I, uh, I got onto the bus, and the bus would stop at various places. And when the bus stops, I read a paragraph or two. And then let it go. I mean, I find that kind of reading very enriching because you can read and think about it and then start reading again. But I used to keep, I kept the book on the, uh, on the rack above mm -hmm. the seats. I was standing. I was standing mm -hmm. for the whole journey. Mm -hmm. So I kept the book above the, the rack and then the bu bus bumped and the book fell. Oh. I didn't see the book falling. But another bus behind us uh, 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 told, uh, no, some, uh, some people uh, stopped the bus and said a book fell. And the bus that went took that book and went. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so the, and, the, the book and, fell and, outside the bus. The, 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 the book actually fell off the bus. It fell off the bus. Yes. And some people had seen the thing falling and they had taken it, mm -hmm. the book. So we went to the next stop and that bus was there. Yeah. So I was able to retrieve my book from you the You got other your bus. book back. Isn't yeah. that marvelous? Yeah. Obviously, the Lord wanted you to have it. <laughs> so I think there was some angel on duty at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's wonderful. Now, what about your connections with Langham Partnership? Because I, I know that you do have um, some of your work we, we've published and uh, you've been involved with the uh, South Asia Bible Commentary. I think you did uh, Deuteronomy in that. Um, and now also you're involved with the South Asia uh, Study Bible, which is an ongoing project. Yeah. Um, and indeed, you've... you've uh, contributed to and supported the work of Langham Preaching and our, our national movement there in Sri Lanka. So is this a connection that you value for John Stott's sake or simply because you see the, the value of it in the life and growth and maturity of the church? I think for both, both mm -hmm. reasons. Uh, and uh, again, I think our YFC alumni are quite involved in, the, in even the leadership of that program. Uh, and, uh, the, the, of course, I, I have always felt that we need to restore the whole thing of Bible exposition uh, mm. in the church. And I try to demonstrate that by my preaching, but I'm not a very good organizer. I'm not a, <laughs> a very good, uh, you know, uh, mover and shaker of things and things like that. Uh, so when this organization started and um, the, the, the moment I met uh, Paul Windsor, who was leader of Langham Preaching for a long time. Uh, our hearts were knit together. We became uh, beloved brothers in Christ. And, and so when he started this, I thought I must give it as much encouragement as I can. And I've tried to do that over the years. And our staff, a lot of our staff have gone uh, for the Langham uh, cohorts. They, they belong to different Langham cohorts. So yeah, I'm very excited about that. And of course, uh, one of the things that Langham seeks to do is to encourage and enhance evangelical theological education. Uh, and I uh, just wonder, what is the state of theological education in Sri Lanka at the moment? Um, I think things are much better than they were, say, 20 or 30 years ago. We have about three 
of, I would say, top-notch theological colleges, Colombo Bible, uh, Colombo Theological Seminary, Lanka Bible College, and the Assembly of God Bible College, and other lower-level colleges. So things are much better, and little by little, people are getting their higher qualifications. Now we are getting more and more people with doctorates in our, mm -hmm. in our two schools, in our three schools. So uh, things are much better than they were some time mm -hmm. ago. That's good. That's encouraging to hear. I know that John Stott was very committed to, uh, to theological education. Uh, he used to say that the seminary is a key institution in the church because it's where pastors are either made or marred, he would say. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's still very true. So it's, it's good to hear that uh, there's that encouragement and improvement. As we said earlier, this is his centenary year, 2021. And I just wonder, what, what would you hope to be the lasting major impact of John Stott's life and vision and legacy? What would he most want to say to the church today, do you think? Uh, I don't know what he would want to say, but what I would want to say from John Stott's life, two things. Firstly, uh, you can have a big influence without the trappings of the celebrity culture which is a huge trap today in our part of the world. And uh, John Stott didn't have those trappings, uh, but still he had a huge influence uh, on, the, on the whole world uh, and, the, and the church. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, there is a lot to commend in a life lived simply and a life of servanthood. There is a lot to commend. The other thing uh, that I would like people to see is the glory of biblical truth. Uh, we, we don't, you know, John St uh, J Charles Spurgeon, I think, is the one who said, you don't need to defend the Bible, you just let it loose. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know whether I fully agree with that. I think we need apology, apologetics for the Bible. But that, uh, that you know, the, the, my, my son is, is, is the latest John Stott fan. <laughs> and, and he writes to me very often. He sends me a text message saying, what an amazing insight I'm getting from reading this book. Uh, Bible, the Bible is an exciting book. And applied to today's culture, it's exciting. And John Stott is not an exciting writer. You know, he's, he's very, you know, an Englishman. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. But... <laughs> When you read his stuff, you are excited about the beauty of truth. Mm. And that's uh, in a time when truth is so downplayed. And, and people, when they think of uh, valiant for truth, they are thinking of people who are fighting, who are bashing uh, people with their, with their beliefs. Um, and others are, are, are retreating. They are afraid to affirm, uh, affirm the truths of the gospel. So I, I would like to see a return to confidence in the truth of the gospel and, uh, and that that would come strong as a result of his ministry. Ajit, I think I can hear John Stott saying amen to all of that. <laughs> I've been talking here with uh, Ajit Fernando and we've been sharing uh, our experiences and life, our friendship with John Stott and our support and encouragement for the Langham Partnership Ministries. So thank you, Ajit. Amen indeed. 
Next, we'll go to Indonesia to Chris's conversation with Matthias Ho. He founded the Laimina Institute, which helps believers live out their faith in every part of society so that Indonesia's Christians can engage productively and biblically in social, political, and economic issues. John Stott said, My vision, as I look out over the world, is to see every pulpit in every church occupied by a conscientious, Bible-believing, Bible-studying, Bible-expounding pastor. Matthias has been instrumental in advancing this vision for his nation as one of the founders of Langham's pastor training movement in Indonesia. I wonder whether um, uh, we could come, uh, Matthias, to mm -hmm. some aspects of what inspired you to this Lamena Institute, because one thing that I don't think we mentioned earlier is that uh, you returned from your uh, graduate studies in the States to Indonesia, back home to Indonesia in 1997, but you didn't go straight home because uh, I understand you spent some time in London and you uh, attended what at that time was called uh, the Christian in the Modern World course run by the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, which had been founded by John Stott. And I believe that John Stott was still actually teaching there at that time, so you, you must have met him. So th there's really two questions here. Uh, maybe you could take the first. To what extent did what you learned at the London Institute and its vision influence the way you have shaped and set up the Laimena Institute in Indonesia. And then the other question is, uh, tell us something about your meeting with John Stott and the impact that he may have had on you personally. Okay, yeah. Um, the Christian in the modern world was really a, a very important part as well of my life journey. And I didn't expect that at a time to get a scholarship uh, to go there. So it was kind of like a surprise gift after I graduated uh, from my colleagues. Um, <clears throat> so, and um, by that time, when I went to, to London uh, in, in the fall of 97, uh, during my time uh, in the U.S. In, in my college year, I mentioned earlier that I, uh, I grew as a Christian there. And one of the, the author that I read a lot was actually John Stott. So I read a number of his books already basic Christianity and, and um, um, contemporary Christianity um, and others. So it was it was really a delight. And you're right. I mean, at that time, Uncle John or John Stott was still uh, teaching. And it was really, uh, uh, it was really uh, uh, an impressive experience for me. Yeah? It was a very important experience to actually listen directly from him. Um, and uh, the course itself, uh, is influential for me in the sense, uh, in in many sense. And one way is uh, it actually because the the course of like I think it was like three and a half months. Uh, it started with the hermeneutics, uh, understanding about the Bible, uh, uh, taught directly by uh, by John Stott, but also covered a different uh, various topics. Uh, and I remember you as one of my favorite uh, instructors at that time. It was the first <laughs> time for me to uh, to know you and to listen to you. I was like, oh, I didn't know uh, Old Testament can be so fascinating. You know? <laughs> uh, I did, I did, and I so, didn't know that you were there in the class, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're you with the London Bible College or something. Like I was yeah. at All, All Nations Christian College at that time. All yes. Nations Christian. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So... Uh, so 
the diversity of the topics being taught there was impressive to me in the sense that, that okay christianity should have relevance in these various aspects uh, christianity shouldn't be limited to a particular area as if it's just a faculty of theology um so so that really uh, made a uh, impression on me uh, of course uh, in addition to uh, the contents that were being taught uh, and then uh, in terms of the um, my experience with uncle john uh, himself of course it was uh, it was uh, a very memorable experience when i was for example in the classroom and then i saw in the back uh, people from every other places uh, pastors you know uh, just try to stop by at the class and then sit down and listen to uncle john and then <laughs> I, I was like wow <laughs> so, so he is actually a celebrity you know people like coming to listen but then for a celebrity he was so humble and and it was his humility that uh, and and i had an an opportunity to have a private conversation at his apartment which was very what I remember is only a, a, a bookshelf you know, and, and very, it was not like a mansion. It's not like someone who already produced so many best-selling books. <laughs> and of course, uh, this year, 2021, is the centenary year. Uh, John mm. Sott was born in 1921, so we're celebrating that. And so it's great to hear that. So it seems to me the big influences came from your encounter with John Stott and London Institute the importance and necessity of, of the Christian faith to infiltrate the world, to actually penetrate society, uh, and that Christians should be those who engage uh, in their culture through their professions and their gifts and, and, and the skills that lead them, not necessarily into pastoral ministry, but into uh, into ministry in the world. So it, yeah. would, would oh, you... And, and one, yeah. one more thing, if I may, about how the influence of uh, Uncle John uh, with, with Lemina Institute, it actually in a way has something to do with the mission statement that we mentioned earlier about the responsible citizenship in religious society or our focus on citizenship. You know, one of the concepts that I uh, that I really learned from Uncle John or John Stott was, is actually the double listening, listening to the word of God and listening to the world. Now, Dr. Johannes Lemina uh, in 1950s, uh, in 1955, he wrote an, an article, actually a speech uh, to a Christian conference. That was actually before the election in Indonesia in 1955, the first democratic election. And then uh, his speech was titled uh, The Double Citizenship or, or The Responsible Citizenship. In that, he actually talked about the double citizenship, that Christians has the citizenship of the kingdom of God and the citizenship of Indonesia, and both of them have to be reconciled. So that's how I see that this really connects what John Stott said and um, John Slamina, and that really also a big influence for me. Mm. That's that's wonderful, and, and I I can't help thinking that you know the Apostle Paul would agree because he did say you know our our citizenship is in heaven, by, by which he didn't mean we're all going to heaven, but it is from heaven uh, that we take the values of the kingdom of God. But he also told Christians to pay their taxes. <laughs> he said, yeah, right, exactly. Be good citizens, you know, uh, yeah. and and recognize the authority and and the reality of of good government. Uh, and be yeah. good citizens and pay your taxes. So I've always felt that the Apostle Paul was it. He would have agreed, I think, with what Johannes Lemena and John Stott right. were saying, yeah. which is good to know. Um, so let's let's move on then. Uh, finally, to the fact that you have been connected with us uh, in the Langham Partnership, um, and again going back to that 
first meeting, well, it obviously wasn't because I, I didn't realize that I'd met you back in 1997. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. But the first one that I remember, uh, which was in 2011, and at that time, uh, Langham preaching, that particular ministry of Langham Parchup, had only just begun uh, in Indonesia. I think it, it began earlier that year. And you were highly instrumental in getting that going. And and one of the reasons for that is that, that you had uh, credibility and connectedness with uh, the major church networks in the country, uh, because I gather that there are several. There's the ecumenical mainline uh, c- connection and council, then there's the Pentecostal uh, connection, and there's the evangelical connection. These are three major national um, you know, councils of churches and because you were able to get all of them to agree, uh, Langham preaching began in Indonesia with that remarkable degree of support and encouragement and endorsement by the churches. Uh, so why did you tell us a little bit about about that and how you got involved with that and and and, and how it has developed? Yeah, it was it actually started with uh, uh, with the visit of Jonathan Lamb. Um, at that time, he was the Langham preaching director. Yeah. Um, so who came to uh, Indonesia, uh, and yeah, he he asked for uh, our uh, support, basically, or basically, uh, not support, just an assistance uh, to to connect uh, uh, with the uh, the leaders of the national churches in Indonesia. Um, and you're right that in Indonesia we have a number of uh, church association. We have the the ecumenical church association. We have the evangelical. Uh, the Pentecostal and actually the, the Seventh-day Adventist is also a separate denomination. Um, there's a Salvation Army, um, Baptist Church, Orthodox Church, and now we have a Chinese Church by the time uh, <laughs> without the, the Chinese Church. <laughs> yeah. uh, but basically, yeah, Jonathan asked uh, us about that. And of course, because I mean, I, I, uh, I at the time I already knew John Stott uh, and so when I saw that uh, Laham was really uh, in line with the vision, uh, I mean, he was actually born uh, uh, by the John Stott as well, and, and others, uh, is really his ministry. Uh, and I believe in that vision. Uh, I remember that uh, I think John Stott, uh, I read that uh, when he went to, uh, I think in a conversation with the uh, with a church leader in Africa or something when he asked how about the church and then the answer is that uh, there's a lot of growth without death mm-hmm. uh, and and I think for me that that's probably true as well in Indonesia so so that's why I think I believe that uh, that's really um, important uh, the ministry of Langham preaching uh, in Indonesia um, so yeah, me and my colleague, uh, we we work together uh, with with other uh, people uh, outside the Lemena uh, to uh, to host uh, the first and I believe the, the second uh, training uh, of the Langham preaching uh, and of yeah, and prior to that yeah we uh, we introduce uh, Langham preaching to the national churches in Indonesia the different national church association. And of course, they were very receptive and they welcome because mm. uh, this is the kind of training that will be very important mm. uh, for the church leaders, uh, not just the clergy, but also the lay preachers. Uh, mm. And and John Stott is known. So, so yeah, I mean, mm. uh, it was really 
uh, a wonderful experience and it was actually an honor uh, to have that uh, request from uh, Jonathan Lamb. Uh, I mean, is, that's the least that I can do to uh, to support the uh, ministry uh, related to John Stock as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a tremendous story because very quickly the uh, uh, yourself and others there formed a, a committee and established the ministry in Langham, Indonesia. It, it has had a tremendous influence. In fact, um, just earlier today, but in preparation for for having a chat with you, Matthias, I I checked out with um, uh, Ruth Slater, who's the associate director for Langham Preaching how Langham Indonesia has grown in these last 10 years because it's really only Mm -hmm. since 2011 Uh, and at that time in 2011 there were 83 participants from 14 of the 26 provinces of Indonesia and from 8 of the islands Uh, and uh, in those first one you established 16 preaching clubs of which when I came later in the year 11 were still going on and she tells me that now today as of, uh, of 2020 there are 48 preaching clubs there are 63 wow. local facilitators. Uh, in that one year, they held eight se- seminars in eight different regions with 578 participants uh, across uh, everywhere, Baton, East Java, Jakarta, Sumatra, Papua, and so on, right across the country. Um, uh, and held facilitator workshops, training local facilitators in adult learning, translating resources into indigenous languages, uh, doing audio format for oral preference learners, online seminars now being held, and even this, that uh, Langham Indonesia has helped to get Langham preaching work started in East Malaysia and in Timor-Leste, so that they're taking their own growth, as it were, and exporting and sharing it with others. So it's a wonderful story of God's blessing uh, on on that initiative for which we're, we're so grateful to you. Do you personally see uh, the impact of Langham preaching as, as you observe the churches in Indonesia? Well, I believe so. I mean, uh, of course, not in detail, but I believe so. I remember from some of our conversation in, uh, in the trainings uh, when the pastors um, from some of the, even the big churches in some of the region in Indonesia, uh, and I remember one of the answers that uh, I asked that, uh, what do you think of the training? And then she said, that, wow, this is great. Now I know that I can prepare the, the preaching only using the Bible. I was like, okay, what did you use before? Right? I mean, <laughs> so it's like, I mean, th- these, are, these are pastors who actually graduated from theological seminary. And then it was like an eye-opening training to, to understand that, oh, you can actually make a sermon uh, based on the Bible only. You know, and 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 even in that one answer, I would say, I mean, uh, I'm sure there 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 have been a lot of uh, lay preachers or even pastors who actually learn a lot from here because I think it's the way of the uh, the Langham method, uh, that Langham preaching, uh, really teaching a very basic and simple approach that really go back to the Bible. I mean, that's really the legacy of of John Stott as well. I mean. How to understand the Bible, and that's really what we need. I mean, uh, and and I'm sure that, that will, uh, the impact will be great, of course, mm-hmm. because I mean, I mean, if you want to compare preaching from the Bible and preaching from some other book, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then doing that as a sermon, I mean, of course, the answer is clear. Of course, yeah, I mean, preaching from the Bible. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, so I, so I'm really great and encouraged to, to hear all the 
uh, all the growth. And I also asked with uh, uh, with Hamdani, the director of Lancan Indonesia, and yeah, he told me about the plan for this year doing uh, training over the Zoom uh, on online virtual. I mean, so the, the work keeps going. I mean, the COVID nineteen or whatever virus cannot stop them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, the, yes. the, yeah. That's great. Oh, that's that's wonderful to hear. And, and as you say, John Stott would be very pleased to know that uh, yeah. people are preaching the Bible. <laughs> he would say, yes. what, else, what else should we preach? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, the, the, the Bible. And then bring the Bible into contact with the, with the real world, as, as yes. you're doing in your own ministry. Next, we'll hear from Rosalie Veloso-Ewell. She hasn't been a guest on our podcast yet. She's a Brazilian theologian originally from Sao Paulo, and she taught for several years at a seminary in Londrina. She's written or edited various books and articles, and she's the New Testament editor for the Latin American Bible Commentary, a one-volume commentary written by Latin American scholars for Latin Americans. Today, she's the executive director of the Theological Commission for the World Evangelical Alliance and lives in Birmingham, England. I think you'll enjoy her reflection a remembrance of Stott's kindness to a young girl, which illustrates why so many refer to him simply as Uncle John. When I was a toddler, about age two, I was at a Christian conference center with my family in California. It was summer in the US and very, very hot. Unlike the cold gray winter that we'd come from in Sao Paulo, Brazil, where I'm from at that time of year. One afternoon at this conference, I had been given what seemed to me the most beautiful and the biggest strawberry ice cream cone ever. You can guess what happened. It rolled nicely down my sundress and onto the hot sidewalk in a pitiful puddle of pink. I was heartbroken. I'm sure that my parents and other people around did what they could to comfort me and to make things right. Then, a new ice cream cone appeared, along with a paper cup to catch any falling balls of ice cream. A tall Englishman was down on one knee handing me my very own brand new strawberry ice cream. That was John Stott. The simple kindness and generosity that he showed to that two-year-old were characteristics of his. But kindness and generosity are also weaved into the fabric of how Langham started and what Langham is today. In the 45 plus years since that ice cream cone episode, what I have seen and heard and witnessed with my own eyes is that sharing the good news of Jesus and the transformational power of the gospel through Langham literature, through Langham scholars, and through Langham preaching is as exciting and as wonderful as a kid getting a new ice cream cone. A few years ago, I was in Burkina Faso in West Africa. It's a dry, landlocked country. Few people wish to go there. I met a woman named Joanna and quite a few church leaders. Among their concerns over tensions and violence caused by extremists was their concern to train young people and new leaders to transform their families, their homes, and their communities with the gospel. Joanna and her friends want to raise up people 
young people with a vision that extends far beyond their own circumstances to the greatness of God and the joy of the good news. I saw how one of Langham Literature's projects, the Africa Bible Commentary, and other literature written by Africans for Africa brought the delight of the good news to their churches and their leaders. The Africa Bible Commentary enabled them to read the scriptures anew, to train young leaders with a vision for God's mission, and to pass on the joy of the gospel to all around them. It is God's generosity through Langham literature extended to all corners of the earth. One of my favorite texts in the whole Bible is Philippians 2, 13 to 15. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. Have you seen a sermon that inspires you? Have you heard or seen a sermon that inspires you to shine like a star? I have. It was a sermon by someone who had taken part in one of Langham preaching programs. He spoke on fearlessness and confidence in the gospel using the text of Acts 4, where Peter and his friends have been tortured and imprisoned, and then they're let go and they meet up with their friends. Then they pray for boldness to speak the word. This person, this Langham preacher, lives and works in a country where the authorities kill people for talking about Jesus. This Langham preacher was not making light or trivializing the very real threats that were upon him or persecuted Christians around the world. Like Peter, his fear of being killed was real, but his confidence in the truth of the gospel was more certain and more real and more inspiring than the fear. That preacher knows what's at stake in preaching the good news. That text in Philippians says, God is at work in you. Imagine that. That same spirit that inspired Peter and his friends inspires and enables Langham preachers around the world. That same spirit works in you. That is an amazing promise that God gives us and that Langham preachers share around the globe it's a privilege for me to tell you of the joy of a two-year-old who got a new ice cream cone from John Stott. More importantly, to share with you how that two-year-old grew up and has been blessed to hear and read and see some of the amazing things God is doing through Langham literature, through Langham scholars, through Langham preaching. It is indeed God's generosity extended to all corners of the earth. May God bless you. Our last reflection comes from Rick Warren, founder and lead pastor of Saddleback Church in California. To Rick, Stott was not only one of the most influential evangelical leaders of the 20th century, he was a personal friend and mentor. The unique bond they shared is evident in Rick's touching memories, including a special visit they shared during Stott's final days. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Pastor Rick Warren, uh, pastor of Saddleback Church here in Southern California and author of The Purpose Driven Life. And I'd like to just say a word of testimony about my good friend, John Stott. You know, if you were going to name the most influential pastor of the 20th century, John Stott would be my choice as the most influential pastor. In fact, I believe he's among the top three most influential Christians in the last half of the 20th century, right along with Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. And Billy and John were both mentors to me. There's no doubt that Uncle John had a tremendous influence on my own life and ministry. You know, he wrote more than 50 books, one of which uh, one people made such a compelling case for the idea that every Christian is a minister that it became a foundational book for us as we built Saddleback Church. I'll, I'll always remember one time John and I were preaching a sermon together. We were co-teaching a sermon called For the Global Glory of God at Saddleback Church. And when he came, uh, it, what was interesting, he showed up in a Hawaiian shirt and he didn't tell me he was going to be in a Hawaiian shirt. And I showed up in a suit, which was funny because I showed up in a suit to show honor to him. And he showed up in an Hawaiian shirt at Saddleback Church just to uh, be like we were in those days. And, and I, I remember telling him, I said, you know, John, uh, thanks for wearing an Hawaiian shirt to, to honor me. Uh, would you take your socks off? He said, not even for you, Rick, not, not even for you. Right before John died, I remember flying to uh, uh, London to, and then taking the train north to uh, uh, the, uh, the, the retirement home, the Anglican retirement home for ministers where he was spending his last uh, days. And I had made this long trip. Just I literally just went across the ocean just to go see John uh, before he passed away. And Chris Wright and I took the train up together. And then uh, when I went to see him and I walked in, and John is in a complete suit in bed with the covers pulled up. <laughs> and I said, John, why are you dressed up in a suit. You didn't need to dress up for me. He said, Rick, I knew you were coming. And I just thought that is so typical John Stott, always thinking of honoring other people. John was a pastor to pastors all around the world. He is unforgettable. He was indefatigable. He could not stop serving the Lord to the very last second of his life. And I just love John Stott for the influence that he had on my life, on Saddleback Church, on the purpose-driven network of churches all around the world. I miss him, and I can't wait to get to heaven to be with him. God bless him. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about John Stott through a few of the pastors and leaders he's personally influenced. What a blessing to think about the many millions of lives around the world who've been impacted by this faithful brother. A brother who would simply want to be remembered by these simple words from the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, which are etched on his gravestone, who resolved both as the ground of his salvation and as the subject of his ministry to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Thanks for joining us, and remember to check out johnstott.org. I recommend the site as a great place to listen to some of Stott's classic sermons. Again, I'm Angel Torero, 
And thank you for joining me for On Mission with Chris Wright, a podcast produced by Langham Partnership. Visit langham.org to discover how they multiply and equip leaders around the world. If you enjoyed today's conversation, will you let us know by giving us a review and sharing this with a friend? And then join me for future episodes where we'll be talking to leaders in Zambia, Palestine, Kenya, Brazil, and beyond. We look forward to having you join for our next episode of On Mission with Chris Wright. In the meantime, God bless.